Welcome to Spry, a podcast where we embrace the most difficult parts of life, caregiving, aging, death, and dying with courage, grace, and dignity. We focus on cultivating a mindset of constant personal growth and staying energetic, active, and engaged with the world even as the years go by. We'll share our lived experiences, all of the tools that we found along the way, and insights from our community to help build confidence and resilience. Welcome to Spriday. Every Friday, we would like to do a quick roundup of content, uh, products, things we've observed, articles we've read, learned life experiences that have recently happened to us, and share it with all of you. Anything that we think is inciting or helpful. We've been doing a lot of reading between the three of us. I would say between listening to podcasts, reading articles online, reading books, either from the library, like I like to do, or on a Kindle, like mom likes to do. We do a lot of reading between the three of us. Um, I was thinking about this quote from Of Mice and Men that's pretty timely, I think, for our discussion today, where he said, of all the words of mice and men, the saddest are, it might have been. True. Right? So true. When we talk about regret and how to avoid regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just the lessons that can actually be learned from regret. So uh, there is a TED Talk that my sister-in-law sent to us, and it actually came out in February of 2022. So I listened to it last year, but I think about it all the time. Like probably once a week, I think about it. And it's Daniel Pink, um, who's an author, and he gave this TED Talk about regret. And he says, regrets make us human. Um, and that really the only people that don't have regrets are five-year-olds, people with brain damage <laughs> and sociopaths. That so, makes sense. Wow. The rest of us have regrets. We're going to talk about this a little bit more at the end, how universal this is in our kind of shared human experiences. Um, but he spent a couple years studying 50 years of social science on regret. And he also collected 16,000 stories of regret from people in 105 countries around the world. Wow. And I went to the website where these stories are, and there's actually 19,000 now. So it's a it's an ongoing project. Um, and Can you just submit them? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, and I actually submitted one last night because, you know, I was just like, oh, I, I again, is like I the the TED Talk's been top of mind for a long time, but I had no idea there was like way more to it. Um, so I went down a little rabbit hole last night. But as he looked at these 16,000 stories of regret, four themes emerged. So the first core regret he calls foundation regrets. And you know, this is if only I'd done the work. So these are, you know, I didn't save enough money. I didn't take care of my health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't create a stable platform for my life. And, you know, I, I have regrets around that. The second category he calls boldness regrets. So if only I had taken the chance, um, you know, I didn't ask that person out on the date. I wish I would have said something in the moment. Um, and he says that, you know, even if the chance didn't work out, um, people never regret taking the chance. They just regret not taking it. Right. I love that idea, which is something that, 
your husband told us that his mom would say to him a lot that now I say to my kids when we talk about even very short term regrets, like not bringing a sweatshirt, right? It's cold outside. I'll say, buddy, you won't regret bringing a sweatshirt, but you might regret not bringing that sweatshirt. Yep. Right. So we have these very small, and I'm also talking to my kids a lot about um, like boldness regrets. Maybe it's the wrong term, but you know, they all want to quit piano. They all want to like quit everything they're doing. And I say, do you know how many regrets I have and how many problems I have with my childhood? Because my mom let me quit everything. <laughs> it's not your fault. I have I'm just so teasing. many regrets. I'm going to so force you to let not them have quit. a regret. But just, you know, I, I just try to tell them you won't, you might, you won't regret going and taking piano lessons, but you might regret not doing it. Yeah. I feel like I don't have any skills, which is fine. I was given a lot of freedom in my childhood and I had a very great childhood. We were free range. I love the free range thing. I have no regrets (laughs) about that. But I do. I I wish I could play the piano. It's, you know. But you could start I wish I was a better dancer. I actually remember when I wanted to be a dancer and I was like, oh, I'm too old. I'm in college. And then I read about how Janet Jackson started taking dance lessons at 18. Right. And I thought, well, I can do it. But then I never still did it. Well, I think, you know, we'll talk about this, but part of examining your regrets maybe more frequently than at the very end of your life is to help inform a life well lived. So if you do have regrets about not playing the piano, if if you've already thought about this regret, Mm -hmm. right? And you're in your early 40s. (laughs) She's only 40, but we'll just say early 40s. Um, When you're 80, you'll still have the regret, but you might regret like, well, why didn't I take piano lessons when I was 40? Right. So, you know, there there is the opportunity as you're mindful in examining this to change the way you're living. So, you know, maybe there's something you can do about a regret. Like I have a, you know, I have been talking about this project of Spry for 10 years. I was pregnant with my oldest daughter who turns 10 next week. So, you know, I, I would seriously, if we didn't do something with this, I would regret it. So that's a boldness Mm -hmm. regret. So even just being aware of like, okay, if I don't do something with this, I'm going to regret it. Yeah. So the third type of regret is a moral regret. If only I'd done the right thing. So he had, he tells the story of a woman who I think was in her eighties that talks about how her mom used to give her, you know, a dollar to go to the drugstore to buy something for the family and she would steal a candy bar. And she Mm -hmm. felt bad about stealing a candy bar. Um, You know, these are things like bullying. Like I have a regret. I don't know why. There was a girl in my seventh grade junior high gym class that we were just kind of mean to her. I don't know why, but I think about that all the time. For 30 years, I've Mm -hmm. thought like, why was I so mean to this girl in gym class? And I wish I remember her name. I would like reach out to her. So I wonder, does moral regret encompass the regret you have when you lose someone and you wish you had done more for that person, right? Like that's the next one we're going to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Cause like we had, um, I had a brother-in-law pass away. Um, gosh, how long has it been now? Eight years ago, he died by suicide. And with a suicide death comes a lot of 
more like regret about what could you have done or what did you do or what didn't you do? Yeah. So that's the fourth type of regret, which is he calls a connection regret. Connection regret. If only I'd reached out is kind of the way he summarizes that. And this is when, and I I think your experience with your brother-in-law is a little bit different, but connected. So it says, you know, you ought to have a relationship with someone. So you know, it's kids, parents, siblings, friends, um, but somehow the relationship comes apart. And these aren't the types, obviously, like if you're in, a, in an abusive relationship or something really blew up, that's not really what they're talking about here. They're talking about, wow, we just drifted apart. And the regret is connected to um, not reaching out. And a lot of times people don't do that because they think, oh, this could be really awkward. Like, I haven't talked to this person in forever. It's just they don't want to talk to me and I don't want to reach out. And so um, I think in the case of that loss, it was really like, well, could I have done more, right, right, to shore up that connection? Right. And could I have done anything to help prevent that from happening, which you know, with, with time comes a lot of hindsight and there's, there's nothing that you, that we really could have done, but you still wish you still have those regrets. Yep. Um, and I think it's, I I mean, I think anytime we have a loss of someone we love, we always, you know, it is an opportunity for reflection to say, how do I want to shore up the relationships in my life. My husband is really good at this. He's very good at like, oh yeah, I just texted him or I just decided to call. Like he goes on a road trip. He'll just like do a call tree of like everyone he's known. He's a big, you know? he's a big he's depositor of time into all of his relationships. Yeah. I'm just the worst, but he is great. Um, so you know, Daniel Pink says that examining our regrets can make us better, improve our decision making and make us better problem solvers. It enhances the sense of meaning that we have in our life. And, you know, we need stability. We want a chance to learn and grow and do something. Um, we're not here forever. And almost all of us want to do the right thing, right? We want love. We want that connection. Um, And so regular, like we talk about, we think you should talk about death all the time. Mm -hmm. I think you should be present to your regrets and thinking about that because it gives us the recipe for a life well lived. How do you think that that, you know, marries with this idea? Because I think about this a lot of, you know, if you if you think about the future, it gives you anxiety, right? If you think about, if so if you think about tomorrow, you'll have anxiety. If you think about yesterday, you'll have sadness. So only focus on today, right? That yeah. idea that happiness comes from focusing on the present. So how do we marry this idea of, of our regrets with staying in the present yeah I without think it making us sad or the way that he talks about it I think it's the the things that constantly are signaling us right like use regrets as signals so I don't think he says um I don't think he would advocate for like you know always be looking at the past and what do you regret but you know like that regret of being mean to the girl in junior high school it will actually just kind of pop up in my mind maybe a couple times a year. And so, you know, for me, it's like, oh, you know, I probably should figure out who that was and maybe reach out. If I, the signal, if I knew who she was and had no way to connect with her, I need to do that. And I need to teach my children 
differently. Right. Not that you didn't teach us to be kind. I'm yeah. <laughs> blaming you. But yeah, like Janelle we're... blames you for piano lessons. <laughs> Obviously, piano but I lessons. bet she doesn't blame me for soccer in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and she wanted okay to quit, to quit. soccer. Yeah. So, but I think yeah. that's, that's yeah, true. What like, can I do with it? It's a signal. Your brain is signaling something. Right. We can we can use it to to learn from, to teach others yeah. right yeah but i don't think he's saying like wallow in the past it's that when mm-hmm. this when a regret becomes present to you or maybe something happens where someone dies and you're you're overwhelmed a bit with some regret to use that as a signal for change yeah um, so he actually wrote an entire, I, I learned this last night in my little rabbit hole. So, um, he wrote a book about this, so I'll get the book, uh, because I'm, I'm super fascinated with it. Um, but he also has his world regret survey and you wow. can go online and we'll link to it in the show notes. I'm there for that. And you can click on a map all around the world and to look at people's regrets. And I actually found this very sort of, it would just felt I don't know. I felt the way I feel when people like you could just feel humanity coming together. Like we are so much more alike yeah, than like we think we are. <laughs> overarching regrets that majority yeah. of people feel, regardless we of think we're alone in these yeah. feelings, but actually we're not. Yeah, regardless of your age, where you live, your circumstances, your politics. All of these regrets are fairly universal. So I I wrote a few down, which I I thought were interesting just to show everyone. So we are in Utah. um, And so this is from a female age 55. I regret every time I have waited for someone else to get on board with something I really wanted to do. I've missed so many opportunities because others weren't ready to buy a house or take a trip or take a class or go to church. I regret that honoring where they were uh, didn't mean I had to stop honoring myself. So, you know, boldness regrets of like, Mm -hmm. I wish I had taken the chance or done the thing. Hmm. Uh, This is a female age 45 in South Africa, not phoning my now deceased dad more often. So that's a connection regret. Uh, China, female age 36. I failed to realize the dream of studying abroad. Mm -hmm. That is a regret I also have. Yeah, especially since my husband was able to do so much study abroad and he tells all these stories and makes me sad I didn't get to do that. So maybe when you retire, you should study abroad. abroad. (laughs) Uh, And then the last one is a male age 47 from Norway. I wish I never started smoking. And also I wish I took better care of my health in my younger years. Mm. So, you know, that sort of foundation regret. Probably a universal regret that a lot of people as they age probably feel. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the message is if, if a regret bubbles up, use that as a signal. Um, and uh, it's okay to, you know, maybe if it's something that where you're like, I never look back, I have no regrets. Just know that, you know, we all have regrets. It's part of what makes us human. And that, you know, there is uh, benefit in, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about them yeah. once in a while. I would say a superfluous regret that I have as I was looking through old pictures with my kids is we used to take these epic shopping trips to New York City, right? Oh, hey, yeah. And just just spend money on like shoes from these really cheap places. <laughs> Things Rainbow. we would never do I mean, do I think anymore. it's still there, but... I mean, you would go in and it would be like, you know, $10 shoes. And we, we would take pictures. We would lay them out in the hotel room and take a picture. And I kid you not, there's like 
57 pairs of shoes in some of these photos. And they're just... I didn't know we were going to tell everyone <laughs> well, I was about this. I, I feel like we are progressing and learning and growing yeah. in our style. And we no longer are focusing on like getting a volume, volume of terrible things. And instead finding the one shoe or the one piece of clothing that can really uh, make life easier, make us look better, last a little bit longer. And mom, I know that you have a new shoe company that you love. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But as as just a segue, a regret that I have about shoes is I really spent some real money on Louboutins and Christian Dior shoes. And what happens? They hurt my feet. Mm. <laughs> so my life is a constant quest to find good-looking, stylish shoes that are comfortable for people who have you know, as you age, you just can't help it. You're just, I don't know of any of my friends that don't have just a little bit or a little bit or a lot of problems with their feet. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're I'll, the foundation of our body. How right. could they not? Also, I think issues. we should say you do get stopped a lot a when lot. we're out and about by women who are of your same of my, age and distinction. Yeah, I do. like, where did you get those shoes? Yeah. I mean, like it's happened. Didn't it happen when you guys were traveling in January? Yeah, yeah. it happens multiple it times. It usually happens, yeah. Yeah, especially airports when I'm on a trip or, or whatnot. But so, you know, they can be really big problems, neuropathy and things on your feet. But but most people have bunions, corns, calluses. Um, there's people who have a diabetic feet. I don't have that. I have, I have uh, a little baby bunion and I have... Um, one of my joints in my on my big toe uh, are, is bone on bone, and I've had injections in them. And you'd probably say, "Why don't you just have surgery?" But I don't think surgery always helps on your feet. A lot of my friends who've had surgery, their surgery has left another type of hurt. Mm -hmm. I also so, think, like back to the regret conversation about foundation regrets and taking care of your health and your body is just acknowledging, like it's okay to wear a comfortable shoe. Like right. my favorite thing is when I see like a photo on Instagram and it's like, you know, it's my daughter's going to prom and there are girls in these like gorgeous ball gowns with Nike sneakers on. And I was like, Always. yes. Yeah, wasn't that Serena well, yeah. Williams to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding? She wore Nikes. Yeah. So it's I'm like, yeah. sure yay. Converse, high tops, yeah. vans. Love it. Let's respect our bodies. I mean, I have heels. I love a good heel, but you know, I love the idea of just being comfortable right. is, you know, and, and it's taking a good care. Thing. I yeah, mean, taking I, care of your feet. I think there's also, you know, it's been medically proven that certain shoes, you know, they do alter your foot, right? Yeah. By wearing them too often. So taking care of it by wearing something that's more comfortable. Right. I've also had inserts from the podiatrist too, but, um, and, and they're, they're, they're okay, but they don't fit in a lot of shoes. And sometimes I'm not even more comfortable with them than I am just figuring out the right kind of shoe for me. So you may go through a lot of uh, on your journey to find good looking 
shoes that are for your aging <laughs> Good feet. Looking. So what have you found? So I'm a fan. I really am a fan of Birkenstocks, but I have friends who are totally opposed to them and think that they make your feet look like you're wearing two two by fours or, or something, two slabs on your feet. So, but And they like something more sleek. But I do, I like a fun color like silver or rose now, gold. Birkenstock was even recently featured in a Vogue article about the summer shoes you must have. So yeah, I would say Yay. they're definitely on trend. Yeah. And, I, and I've had some patent leather ones and... I know you girls love to give me a raft of grief about my my constant saying when you were little, like, I love patent leather. It, it just, just does, does something, something for, for an, an outfit. outfit. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, Birkenstocks, baby. So I recently bought a pair of um, Kizik's. They're a company here in, in Utah, um, and... And they they have a nice wide toe box, but they make it so I, I recently tweaked my back and bending over to, you know, slip into sneakers was hard. And these you just shove your foot right into it and you never have to like fuss with the laces or anything. Yeah, they've created like a frame on the heel of a shoe. So it's meant to, you know, a little, like little kids do this all the time. They just crunch down the heel of their shoe so they can Mm -hmm. slip it on. And it actually wrecks your shoes. Right. These are built built to do that. It's, yeah, they're super cool. Yeah. So I I didn't, I I don't like the the knit. They kind of have some knit ones, but I like they're all leather ones. So um, yeah, I love that they have style options too. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the show notes about those shoes, and I would highly recommend trying them if you have feet problems like Well, not even feet problems. I mean, I recently came out of a surgery, which makes it hard to bend over and put on a shoe. So I've just been wearing slip-ons, and the idea of just being able to put on a sneaker... I just, get, I just get sick of bending I over. Just, okay, I like I feel like since over. I had kids, my whole life is just about picking stuff up off the floor. I mean, I got a dog, which solves some problems of stuff on the floor, but like you know, not everything. But sometimes it'd just be nice to <laughs> like, just put my shoes on right, and just leave. Yeah. Right. So I'm a firm believer that you can wear anything as long as you have a nice pair of shoes with it. I love that. So if you podcast listeners have a great brand of shoes that you love that you want to share with us or have anything you want to tell us about regret, uh, go ahead and hopefully you don't regret the time you just spent with us. You don't regret the time (laughs) you spent listening to this podcast, but email us at podcast at staysprye.com. We're glad that you listened to us today and Hopefully you'll join us again. Yes. And the Spry Podcast is an on-air studio production. Thank you.